What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, this city has no shortage of them really, really fancy restaurants. You know what I'm talking about. Tasting menus, molecular gastronomy, these unique small bite concoctions that are so expensive you wonder, is this even worth it? Lifestyle journalist Ari Bendersky says yes, and he's got tips for Chicago's fine dining beginners. It's Wednesday, November 1st. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is what Chicago's talking about. All right, welcome to CityCast Chicago. It's good to be here, Jacoby. Thanks for having me. Before we get into the ins and outs of Chicago's fine dining scene, what's your most memorable experience in Chicago eating out at one of the, the fancier, more expensive restaurants? Well, it's such a tough answer. Um, there's been so many. I would honestly, Alinea, the first time, the only time I went was over the top, incredible. It was like a six plus hour experience. Uh, and this was when they first started doing the uh, chocolate dessert on the table. So we got to see that in the early days and that was insane. It was right before they opened the aviary. So they were testing out their cocktails, uh, but doing it in bite forms. So we started our meal with bites of basically five classic cocktails. So that was uh, kind of got us a little drunk pretty quickly. You mentioned the aviary. I have been there for cocktails, but Alinea is I think still Chicago's only three-star Michelin restaurant. Anybody who has ever described it to me has always done one of two things. One, made it clear that they've only been once or twice. <laughs> and two, they described this sort of over-the-top experience that if, if you weren't familiar with fine dining, that, those descriptions would just be, all right, that's what it is. But for a lot of people, what actually is fine dining? Is it the fact that it's expensive? Is it the fact that the, the dishes seem, you know, abstract and artistic? W what makes a restaurant fine dining, Ari? It's all of the above. Going back historically, it used to be the hushed room, white tablecloth, had to wear a, a blazer or a dress. Uh, it was more expensive. It was harder to get into. It was usually French. And over the years, uh, as we moved into a little bit more of modern culinary in the last 10, 15, even 20 years, it became a little bit more approachable as far as the decor, what you had to wear, the ambiance, the vibe, et cetera. But there are still places that are set apart at the cost level, um, which can be prohibitive. You can define it different ways for different people. Oftentimes, it's the, it's the quality of the food. So it might be a little bit more luxurious of ingredients. It could have Wagyu, caviar, it could have oysters, scallops, 
crab, things that are considered to be a little bit more luxurious. It's the way that the food is presented on the plate. There is a, an elegance oftentimes. There's an artistry. You know, sometimes it is presented like at a place like Alinea, where it's you're getting a bite of something that you think that looks totally different than what you're tasting. Um, so there is there's a little bit of magic in in how they're creating the food. So, you know, it's not like you're just getting a burger. It could be an incredible burger. It might be the best burger you've ever had. Like if you're going to like Small Cheval or something like that and you just get a really great burger or The Loyalist, um, they're presenting food in a different way that's more elevated than you're going to get at your, you know, fast casual or casual establishment. When I hear this description, it's hard to think that it isn't in some ways, maybe a little white, a little classes, a little inaccessible is in some ways. Is that the the story or the stigma of fine dining is that beyond being extremely uh, expensive, that it feels inaccessible to a ton of people? I, I think that probably there was a time that it was that, you know, sort of like that that fancy country club that didn't allow people of color or Jews to to come and play golf there. Um, I think that there are places like that probably that still do exist, probably more of a private club sort of a, a vibe. But I think that especially as millennials got older and wanted to have more experiences and, you know, people of all colors and races uh, were going out and trying to do different things. I think that it became more accessible. Is it inaccessible from a from a pricing perspective? Sure. Uh, does anybody get turned away? No. Are there places that, like Valhalla in Time Out Market, uh, which is a, a tasting menu experience, but also has an a la carte option that you could just order off the menu, their whole vibe is come as you are. So yeah. you could be wearing shorts and come in and sit down and, and have a great meal. So, you know, are there people who might feel uncomfortable or might think that it's not accessible to them? Sure. But I think that that I don't know that race necessarily plays into it like it maybe used to. Who are some of the local chefs that are challenging the idea of what a fine dining restaurant is? I think about one of my first experiences in Chicago was over at El Idea. And it was a restaurant that felt, you know, again, price prohibitive. But when I walked in, it still felt come as you are. The chefs talked to you as they were bringing things out. They It felt like they were educating you on, on, on their histories as well. And, and, you know, I felt a part of the part of the crew for the night. Yeah, I think that like what Philip Foss was doing at L uh, really did kind of push the boundaries there, just like like Schwa did. I've been to Schwa too in Wicker Park. Uh, where it's just like, you feel like you're part of it. You feel like it's a party. Um, sometimes it could be a little crazy, um, you know, but that's kind of part of the fun experience. But then there are a, a lot of newer chefs. I just wrote about in, in Time Out Chicago, an article about um, this new crop of younger chefs who are doing things to to kind of break the definition of uh, fine dining or a prefix menu. Um, you know, you go to uh, the coach house at Wazwan where it is an Indian restaurant and it's very authentic. And it is uh, Zubair Mohajer, uh, who is Indian. You know, he is putting out food that he grew up eating and, and cooking, experiencing with his mom and his grandmother in the kitchen. Over at Indian, it's, it's the same sort of thing. You know, up in Rogers Park, Cambodian restaurant that uh, I am at the Khmer Fine Dining, it, it literally tells the story of her people 
through the um, the war and the genocide that happened uh, in the 70s under the Khmer Rouge. So there are ways that fine dining and finer dining are being presented, but also that make it more accessible, that they're telling stories. You know, at, at Wazwan, Zuber comes out and he he's like, this is who I am. I'm going to talk how I talk. I'm going to, as far as like having profanity in his presentation or whatever it is, he gets excited about the food um, and he's not worried about if somebody's going to judge him based on how he's presenting the food, he wants them to enjoy the food that he's making and to know the story that the food is telling. When we think about fine dining and what makes fine dining, I, I think about some of the shows I watch on like Netflix, and it always seems that when a, a, a chef is trying to open a you know a soul food restaurant, a Caribbean restaurant, a, an African restaurant, there's this idea that they have to elevate the food for it to be fine dining. Do you think that's the case across the scene in Chicago that there needs to be this, you know, this extra level of 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 artistry or something put on top of people's, uh, you know, foods of origin for it to 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 be considered fine dining? I don't know if it necessarily needs to have the element of like artistry or elegance. Um, not to say that that food that is being put up isn't elegant, no matter what the category is. Um, go to Virtue in Hyde Park. Um, Eric Williams, uh, who's another person, like he worked his way up in the ranks, you know, started at MK and became the executive chef. And he eventually opened Virtue. And we all know how hailed and and uh, celebrated he is nationally, not even just in Chicago. And you go to Virtue and, you know, you get the shrimp and grits and it's very familiar and it's very approachable, but there is another level to it that you know the food is just that much better but it doesn't have to be presented in a way that it is like painting on the plate or put food put on the plate with tweezers right a little knuckle of grits with like sort of a cut up shrimp spread across the plate (laughs) right so you're the food is still beautiful and it's incredible and the flavors are there um you know, there's a reason that Damar Brown was the uh, the fan favorite on Top Chef, you know, and and that he won a James Beard Award the year after Eric Williams did. Um, they're doing incredible food down there, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be in this vaunted space of three Michelin star fine dining atmosphere. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patients' smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For somebody who is, you know, maybe saved up for a special occasion and they're trying to figure out where are Chicago's uh, fine dining experiences, should they just be looking for awards? Michelin stars, James Beard, Bib Gourmands, you know, how can they distinguish uh, their list when they're when they're trying to find a place? First thing I would say is, you know, if you're looking for a more elevated experience that is a tasting menu concept, go to Google and Google best tasting menu experiences in Chicago. Start there. See what the price points are. Where does that fit in with what you want to spend? You know, is it Indian? Is it French? Is it Mexican? What are you looking for? Um, is it something that requires a dress code? Do you want to get dressed up? Do you want to be more casual? Do you want to sit at a table with other people like you could do at Duck Cell, which is an underground dining experience that I also wrote about, or the Omakase Room, where you sit with 10 people around the chefs. You could look at James Beard. Um, you could look at Michelin stars. And I would say, honestly, if you look at like one Michelin star restaurants, you're going to still get that level of quality and excellence, um, but it is gonna be a little bit more casual and a little bit more affordable. Just go up to two stars, price point goes up, still could be casual. I mean, Alinea, I don't even know that they have a dress code anymore. I don't think they uh, require a, a blazer for guys or whatever it is. I'm going to be honest. If I'm giving you 200, 300, 400, don't tell me what to wear. Get out of my face. Like <laughs> I told, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Are some restaurants more so service oriented than others? Like do some places feel like you have to be like, it's a little bit more exclusive versus others that are maybe more welcoming regardless of who you are. I think when you're dining at that level, the hospitality, especially in Chicago, Rarely do I find that places are inhospitable or not welcoming or not wanting to have you have the best experience possible. You're coming in to spend your money with them, no matter if you're spending 50 bucks for a dinner or if you're spending 500 bucks for a dinner. I'm, I'm going to say almost every single place is going to go out of their way to make it good for you. I just went to Indian over the weekend, which has an a la carte menu, has a is a pretty well known tasting menu. And I mean, our our waitress, she was so accommodating, was willing to check on everything uh, with the chef, was willing to make alterations, was willing to uh, it was like over and above in terms of explaining ingredients that we didn't understand. You know, at one point I was like, OK, this cocktail says it was infused with goat cheese like what what does that look like make that make sense for me um and, and, and she was able to do that you know uh some people might hear tasting menu and it conjures up that stereotype of tiny bites weird foam or, or something that you know isn't going to be filling are you going to get enough food at a lot of these spots across the city especially if you drop in a couple hundred dollars i hope so <laughs> i mean i have left i have left a quote-unquote fine dining restaurant and went and got a six piece from harold's because i was still hungry i had that experience at uh, i'm not going to say what the restaurant was but a little bit more of a conceptual menu that they were doing and i was with some friends and we also had the wine pairings and 
we were pretty lit by the time we were done and we were really hungry and we went up the street and we got burgers because we were not satisfied. But I would say that that is definitely the exception to the norm where, um, I mean, you were satisfied at Indian, weren't you? I was. I, I'm, those lamb chops were so good. So good. And it's so beautiful. Like the presentation and the room is gorgeous. Um, so I'm going to say that, you know, the majority of the places you're going, you're not leaving hungry. You're, you are getting multiple courses and you think that it is going to be little bites. And sometimes a, a, a course could comprise like three, four, five little bites. And that's one course. You know, another one is going to be a larger piece of meat, um, but with other things on the plate. And by the time you're done, you have eight, nine, 10, 15 courses, depending on where you are, you're going to be satisfied. What's your advice for somebody who is looking at a dish that, I mean, sure, it might be beautiful to look at, but it, it is extremely unusual or has flavors and ingredients they've never tried. H how do you convince your friends to, to stay open minded at a restaurant? You just got to go for it. You know, you're there. You're spending the money. You know, I know there are people who are not adventurous eaters, but one of my mottos, especially when it comes to food, is I try everything at least once. If you've never had it, how do you know you don't like it? So yep. eat it. If you don't like it, you know, you maybe tell the the server or the chef if you're in a, like if they're that close to you, um, maybe they have something else that you can eat. And a lot of places sometimes like they will say that they don't accommodate dietary restric restrictions, but most places do. Yeah. If you give them a, a bit of a call ahead of time, that dessert at LID the, with the potato in the vanilla ice cream uh, it, with the little uh, with the dry ice. Like it's it takes a bit because I'm used to dipping my French fries in ice cream. But the idea of the potato sitting at the bottom, you know, the first few times, the first few, few scoops, it was was a little jarring. But by the end of it, uh, it, it felt a little nostalgic uh, um, overall. Yeah. It's like when you're a kid and you like you go to McDonald's and you got the French fries and you dip your French fries in the vanilla shake, you know, like right when you started describing it, that's what it makes me think of. It feels like the. The, the lines between casual versus upscale or, or, or fine dining are, are constantly being blurred in Chicago, especially with these newer chefs making their mark. How much do these distinctions matter for diners? I think that's the beautiful thing about dining these days is that those lines are blurred. And, you know, you could go to so many places, whether it's in Logan Square, in Hyde Park, in Fulton Market, that you're going to drop cash on your dinner. Like it's, you know, for a couple, it's rare to get out of there without spending $150 at a quote unquote normal casual restaurant these days, you know, prices have gone up. But I think that dining has become so much more about experiences and you're going to notice that when you walk in the door, you know, and it doesn't have to be a, like a, a fancy, beautiful space. Like it could be all about, the great hospitality and the incredible food in a more casual environment. And so I think that that is what has been going on in finer dining, if you want to call it that, for the last, you know, tech, 10 years. Obviously, we've named off several restaurants. If you had to give someone a suggestion of two or three restaurants, you know, that they want to try out if they wanted to give um, Chicago's fine dining scene a taste, what are a couple of those places? So I think if you're looking to have like 
a really nice night out that you want to spend some extra money, um, that you want to have a, a little bit more elevated experience, there's two that I'm going to say. So Smith, you know, it's a lot of times it's referred to as Smith and the Loyalist, and they're two separate restaurants, but there's one upstairs, one is downstairs. Um, Smith, uh, John and, and Karen Shields, uh, two Michelin star restaurant in Fulton Market. Uh, he, the thing that I really love about his food is that he does a really beautiful job with uh vegetables and seafood. You're still going to get meat, but like the things that he does with, with produce and seafood is, is next level. Um, and Oriole, which is also a two Michelin star restaurant. Um, if you want to come down a level, you know, Elska also in Fulton market, uh, it's American food with a, a Danish bent and, you know, David Posey and Anna Posey who are married, she, pastry chef. He's the uh, savory chef. Their food is incredible. But if you're looking for something really a little bit different, you know, like the places I mentioned in the Time Out article, um, Valhalla, uh, Wazwan, Indian, um, even Indian's sister restaurant, which is Mediterranean, Cypher, S-I-F-R, um, which is just down the street. So those are some places to go and, and check out. But I mean, again, like there's no there's no shortage of really fantastic places to eat in Chicago. Avec, I mean, Avec is consistently will always be one of my most favorite places to eat, always. Arabin Dursky has written for Time Out and also writes the Substack, Something Glorious with Arabin Dursky. Thank you for joining us on CityCast today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Before I let you go, we got more news, events, and our neighborhood guides at our website, chicago.citycast.fm. Today, we got a new one for Andersonville. If you just click the Neighborhood Guides tab on our website, it'll show you our favorites across the Chicagoland area. Some good news. The 40th annual Chicago International Children's Film Festival begins Friday and runs for the next two weeks. There are over 250 films, including animation, documentaries, and action movies for young people aged 2 to 18. See the full schedule of in-person and virtual options in the show notes. As always, we appreciate you for listening and reading. Seriously, thank you. It means a lot to us. I'm going to talk to you bright and early tomorrow. Peace. I think that was a good take. I think that was a good take. I think it was a good take. Yeah, 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 yeah.